Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Welcome to River Valley. Uh, if you are a guest with us, fantastic day to show up at River Valley. Free t-shirt, pretty good, you know, like, lest you forget free donuts and coffee every single weekend. Very good, you know, yeah. So, uh, starting a brand new sermon series today in Ephesians. So you can go ahead and be turning to Ephesians chapter one uh, is where we'll be today. And then also next week with group links. So if you're, you're thinking about in our church and want to get more involved, uh, meet some people, fantastic time uh, to do that over the next couple of weeks. So the book of Ephesians uh, teaches us this big idea of uh, living out Christ in a non-Christian world. The, 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 uh, Church of the Ephesians in Ephesus uh, was in a very large city, so, you know, a lot like Bastrop, you know, I mean, we're, we're just this huge metropolitan, right? Uh, so, but, but it, what it has for is like this, this idea of all of these people and all of this background and how they bring that in to uh, the local church. And so I want to show you uh, the beginning of this. This is Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And, uh, and then I'll give you some explanation of where this thing is going. So Ephesians 1.1 1, 1 says, The author, who is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Who's he writing it to? To the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts the church in, in Ephesus. He leaves. It's been about three years since he's physically been there. He is actually in prison in Rome awaiting to stand trial before Caesar. And he writes this letter to the Ephesian church. Now the church is very much like us in that it is a melting pot. Ephesians is a multi-ethnic church, much like our church. We are intentionally multi-ethnic. When you come in from different places and different cultures, no one's from here. I mean, some of you are from like even other countries like California. Uh, I mean, you know, just... <laughs> I crack myself up. That was not in my notes in any way. Uh, it just, it, sometimes it comes out. So, um, so, but here's the deal. You bring in your background to Christianity. You bring in what you were raised in. You bring in the religion that you, of your past, all of these things. And that's fantastic. But what we have to do is we have to learn how to use those and, and learn from them correctly. So Paul starts out and he says, hey, I want you to remind you that you are saints. That you are saints. Nine times in the book of Ephesians, he uses the word saints. You are a saint if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, you can actually, I mean, I'm going to ask my family, start, please start calling me Saint Cody. I, I think it's important. And so, but because here's the deal. A saint is not someone who has performed a miracle. That's where we get it wrong. We think a saint is someone who's, who's done this miraculous thing. No, a saint is someone who's experienced a miracle. You, if you have been transformed by Jesus Christ in the power of his gospel, then you are a saint and God has done a miracle. He has raised you from the dead to give you eternal life in Jesus Christ. 
And then he tells the Ephesians, look, you're coming from all different backgrounds. You've got Jews and Greeks. So you have people coming from an extreme religious background. In Ephesus, the town was the temple of Artemis. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's four times the size of the Parthenon in Greece. So it's a huge, huge temple with thousands of people worshiping. And if you get saved, you bring that into your culture. It was very common in this day, the, the people in Ephesus, to be astrologically minded. So they'd be like, I can't go outside today because my horoscope says that Libra, you know, I I could be in trouble and Venus is in the seventh sun and all of this kind of stuff, you know? And so they were very much brought all that in. And so Paul's going to say, let's learn how to use what we can. So when you bring your background into Christianity, God can do one of three things with it. The first is we lay all of our background, everything of our life on the table. And some things God says, hey, you can keep that. All truth is God's truth. So even if you didn't get raised in Christianity, there's some things from your past and your background that are very good. And it's God's truth, even if you weren't a Christian. And God will say, you can keep that. Some of the things that you bring, God's going to say, okay, I want you to keep it, but you've got to change it. Because you're not thinking about this in in a Christian perspective and in a Christian way. And so I want you to morph the way that you use this piece. And then there's other things that we bring in and God says, no, 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 leave that. You need to reject that. That's not from me. And that's not healthy for your future. And so they bring in these backgrounds. Now, for the rest of the sermon today, Paul's going to remind the church at Ephesus that God gives gifts God gives these tremendous, wonderful gifts, and he's going to remind us all the way through of the gifts. In fact, I want to encourage you to go back and read this sermon. Uh, I counted 10 different gifts that he mentions throughout um, these next passages, but I'm going to break them up, and, and I'm just going to highlight a few of them that I think are pertinent to us today, but there's so much gifts that God gives us. So let's look first at chapter 1, verses 3 and following. Which says, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. So let's talk first about the gifts of the Father. That God the Father gives believers in Jesus Christ gifts. And the one that I want to highlight here is the Bible says God chose you. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And then he gives us an example that he adopted us. I love the picture of adoption. If you're here at River Valley, I love the picture of adoption because it's so rich in meaning. If you are adopted, you've participated in the gospel of Christ. If you have adopted someone, you've participated in the gospel of Christ because you made a choice. You made a choice. No one ever had an unplanned adoption. No one. It's impossible. You don't go, hey, I'm going to the store. I'm going to buy a washer and dryer. And I came home and I had a kid. It was crazy. I mean, you know, like, how did that happen? You, You can't have an unplanned adoption. You have to plan it. And you have to choose. I knew, I've known people who have actually gone to orphanages, and most of them will say, instead of meeting all of the children and choosing them, we just said, Lord, bring the, the one first, because we knew we couldn't choose. But God chose you. You were sitting there in an orphanage, and you were all alone. And he said, that one is my son. That one is my daughter. And he adopted you. And when he adopts you, the Bible says he adopts you, and he wants to transform you. How? To be holy and blameless in love. 
God wants you to be holy and blameless. In other words, he adopts you just as you are, but he wants to transform you so that you become more like him over time, that you get those characteristics. If you've ever said to someone who adopted a child, boy, they sure look like you. And they say, well, well they're adopted. It's, it's a, actually a tremendous, tremendous uh, compliment that you're giving them because you're saying, you know what? Your love and your compassion and your, the way that your countenance moves is actually shining on this child. And they might not be... Um, genetically yours, but you're, you're having a difference in their lives. That's what God wants us to do. So I read a, a great story of adoption recently. It's a lady uh, named Dee Marks, and she said she had adopted a daughter already, and she was going to go and adopt another daughter. So she went to the adoption agency, and they were running down the list of, of the possibilities. And one of them, they, they mentioned offhand, and his name was CJ, and they said, well, he's unadoptable. And that just bothered this, this, this Miss Mark so bad. She said, why would you say he's unadoptable? Well, he's eight years old. He's completely nonverbal. He's on the autism spectrum. So many times he will lash out for hours on end and you'll have to just hold him so he doesn't hurt himself or someone else. Uh, he's still not eating by himself. He's still not cleaning himself. Tremendous amount of work. He's just unadoptable. And she, she said that just bothered her to no end. She said then she saw that he had red hair and she loved red hair. So she adopted CJ. And she began that process of, of showing him love and, and compassion. She said, I knew right away why he was uh, acting the way he was, because whenever an adult would come near, he would, he would cower. She said it was obvious that he had been abused, because he thought of adults as people who, who would abuse him. So she said, I had to slowly, uh, according to his timetable, which was very long, show him love. And she said, but over time, she said, the good of my love began to overcast the bad of his memories. And I love that, that line. And she said, I knew that we were making progress one day when he came and by his own volition sat beside me. And she said, our legs were barely touching, but I knew that, that my love was winning him over. Uh, this was as he was eight. When he was in middle school, he began, he, more and more so, uh, he came out of his shell and began to, to adopt her way of, of life. He went, to, he was in choir. He loved to sing. He was in uh, track and field. He loved to run. And, and he was in cross country. And just all that process through until in 2022, uh, this is the man that CJ is becoming today. This is D. Marks and CJ with him. And this is, uh, they went on a cruise to, to celebrate his graduation from high school last year. Now, this is a, a, a long, long story. Uh, I mean, not, not in the sense of how I told it, but this is a 12-year story. But it's a story that has its root in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God shows you in just the way that you are, with things that maybe not weren't admirable or desirable, but he said, I'm bringing you and I want to transform you into my image. That's what God chose us for in the beginning of the world. Never forget that he saw you just the way you are and he adopted you into his family. And now he's changing you little by little so that you would be holy and blameless in love. So that over time, people would say, you look a lot like your dad. You look like your heavenly father. Man, praise God for that. Let's look at, secondly, 
at the gifts of the Son. This is the longest section, and, and there's a lot of gifts in here, but I'm going to highlight a few. Uh, in Christ, the Son, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. That verse 7 is a tremendous verse to memorize. It's a tremendous verse to memorize. So we have forgiveness. In verse 8, He richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In Christ we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. So the gifts of the son. The one that sticks out to me that, that's easiest understood is at the end where it says that he gives us an inheritance. I love that word. I love inheritance. I love somebody giving me money that they earned. I love it. I mean, you, you know, that's, and that's what it is. You know, it's, it's, you didn't do anything. He gives you that money. And, and, and too, but too many times what we're being sold in American Christianity is this idea that if you'll just become a child of Jesus Christ, then he'll make you healthy and wealthy and everything will go good and perfect. And boy, you will be set up for life. And it's oftentimes with this idea of like, he'll upgrade you to first class when you're flying and he'll give you all of these great things. And listen, I'm telling you, it's not true. It's not true. The Bible says the ultimate inheritance is kept in heaven for us where it will never perish, spoil, or fade. So on this side, we will experience suffering and loss, hurt and pain. And if you sign up for a God who's the big Santa Claus in the sky, you'll be horribly, horribly disappointed. But now, does he give good gifts? Absolutely. He says he's like, a, he's like a father who knows how to provide everything that you need and give good gifts. How do you get those? This is really important. Seek Jesus' presence before seeking his presence. Seek to be with Jesus, the presence of God, as the ultimate reward of the universe. That God is here. He is with me as I open my Bible and I, I pray to him that he is with us this morning as we worship him. That he doesn't owe us anything. He's already lavished on us, the Bible says. The forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, his blood on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. The best thing, the thing that we want the most is your presence. We want you to be here right now. Now, the one that I like uh, most and I think is very helpful for us of this section is Jesus gives us his will. He gives us his plan for our lives. The Bible says in this verse that he gives us his exact understanding and wisdom of what his plan is for our life. Now, uh, I wrote this sermon uh, this, as I was writing this sermon this week. You guys know, like, never ever ask to get inside my mind because it will scare you to death. But uh, one of the things that I do really as well is I, I read, I remember stories, I have a lot. So I couldn't think of something to illustrate this point, but it didn't bother me. I was like, it'll come to me. I'll, I'll see something or remember something. It'll, it'll, it'll show up. And, uh, and honestly, I'm such an optimist that, that my, my illustrations tend to be like the first one. Like this lady adopted this son who, who had some special needs, but he's been overcoming and doing great. And boom, two-minute story, 12 years of hard work. It's all great. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's my type of thinking. But, but I'm going to give you what the Lord gave me uh, as a sermon illustration today. And the reason I'm going to give you is because it's not tied up in a bow. 
It is unfinished and ugly, and it's from my life. My son, many of you know, uh, he, uh, when he was growing up, I told him, you're welcome to play any sport you want to, as long as it's football. And uh, so that's, now, now listen, that, that's not what you should do as a parent. I'm not saying, I just knew that that was where he could excel. And uh, he did. He did very, very well in, in football early on. When he was a freshman, he was making a tackle. He didn't get up very quickly and uh, was hurt. We took him to the doctor, and he had torn his labrum, which is the, the muscle covering, and, and his, his shoulder was popping in and out of socket. And uh, he had to have surgery. And so we were like, that's okay. It was the end of, of the football season. You know, you'll have time to recuperate uh, and, and be back for, for your next year of football. Um, his next year of football rolled around, and uh, the other shoulder, the other labrum tore, and it came in and out. And so we're like, okay, it's, it's okay. If you're going to miss one year of, of football, your sophomore year would be it. You'll be on JV. You know, they get, they're beat up for, you know, they're the test dummies for the varsity anyway. That's all right, right? So you guys have done football, you know. And so, so, so you know, you miss out that year, and then, and then later on that, that year, uh, after he'd had sh sh uh, shoulder surgery and it had recuperated after two, that same shoulder began to come out of socket again. <sighs> Three. All right. Okay. You know, maybe we can get it done in time. Missed all of his junior year. By that time, he had lost so much weight. He had lost so much muscle. Uh, he couldn't work out. He couldn't keep up with his, you know, his athletics and stuff because he couldn't do anything. It was, and these sur surgeries were brutal. They're brutal like a, a recovery. It, it's a hard surgery. Uh, so he had to drop out of football. And that was very hard for him. Very hard for me. It was, it was fun to watch him. Um, end of his junior year, the this, this shoulder that he had already had two surgeries on began to come loose again. And it popped in and out. My son, by the time that he was graduated from high school, from the time he was a freshman to the time that he was a senior, he had four surgeries on his shoulders. It was horrible. But he went to college. Things were good. Man, he has flourished in college. You know, football's over. And it doesn't matter anymore. He's met friends. He thinks he's big man on campus. Uh, yeah, you know, like he just, he's met friends. He's got this great girlfriend. I mean, things are going well. He works at a church right now, and he's an intern, and he's serving the Lord, and he's, he's got some freshman boys that he's mentoring. And it's just, I mean, everything is fantastic. And uh, you can just see his, his life come alive. He's, he's starting to, to get back his strength all summer. Uh, he's been working out. He works out. He likes working out. It's a good release for him. He was waking up at five o'clock in the morning. He was going to work out and then he would do his Bible study in his truck before he went to work at eight every morning all summer on his own just because he was enjoying it. He was getting bigger. He was getting fit. It was looking great. He called us on Thursday night and he said, I was doing a pull-up and he said, my shoulder tore and my shoulder came out of socket. Five. Five times. And I was so mad at God. I told him, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? What are you, why would you do this? Why would you continue to, it feels like punishment. It feels like over the top. Why would you let him go through this again and again and again? And when he finally goes through it and he finally is, is I mean, he's serving the Lord. He's loving life. He's doing well. And why would you let this happen? And he's calling us and you can hear it in his voice like, dad, I don't want to go through this again. 
it's painful. It's long. I lose all of the strength I had. I, I got to walk around with a sling and uh, I don't know. I don't understand the answer. Why, why are you doing that? And l- listen, when you've had this five times, little trite, God has a plan, doesn't work, to be frank. It just, I, we know that. But what are you doing, God? Why are you, why are you doing this in this way at this time? I told God at one point, it feels like you're being mean. You're just being mean. Like this, why would, why would you do this? So I, I called Creed and we were talking this weekend and I said, hey, I said, I, I need to ask you permission to, to share this story. We're not, we're not the kind of family, look, I'm not on social media. We're not sharing all of our life uh, with everybody, to be honest. But I said, I, 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 I think that the Lord is asking me to ask you permission to share this story. And the reason is, is this one isn't neatly tied up in a bow, but God says he has a plan. He will show you his will for your life. See, he's in college, he's a business major, but he doesn't know exactly what he wants to do. He doesn't know after school what he wants to do. And I said, I promise you, God has a plan and will for your life. And he says, everything on heaven and earth will come together in Christ Jesus. And I said, even this, and I don't understand what that means. And I don't know that that means a miracle is going to happen and you won't have to have a fifth surgery. I can't promise any of that. But here's the deal. When we question his methods... When we question how God is doing things, we have to be able to trust in his heart that he loves us and he cares for us. And even when we don't like the way it's fallen out, we can trust that he is a perfect parent who is sovereign in every way. And I don't know if he caused this or he allowed it, but what I do know is that he has a purpose and a reason. And Creed, we're going to walk through this and we're going to find this together. And I think it's an important lesson for you and I today because I think a lot of you would probably say like, I hate this thing that's happening. I hate the way that this thing has unfolded. I hate what this person has done. I hate what I have done and the consequences that have come about because of that. And the verse says that God has a perfect will in everything. Everything in heaven and on earth will come together in Christ Jesus. And even when we question him, we can trust in his heart. Sometimes our, expect, our experience is worse than our expectations. And the question is, and it's the one I challenge Creed with, hey, are you going to go today? And are you going um, to worship Jesus at church even though you can't raise up your hand? Because your shoulders hurt. Are you going to worship even when it's hard? God has a plan for us. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know how it's unfolding in this particular case with Creed. But his word has got to stand over our experiences. Who he is and what he's done has got to be the preeminent truth of the universe. And when we interpret our truth any different than his word, it's us who's out of a line, not God. God, help us to be aligned to your will. Let's talk number three, gifts of the Spirit. God's Spirit gives us gifts. In verse 13, 
in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts, and the first one is himself. God, the Holy Spirit, is given, the Bible says, to every believer. They hear the gospel of truth. He comes inside of them, and he seals them. If you've ever had, you know, like my grandmother used to can vegetables, you seal that can. Why? So that what she used to can tomatoes, so that the tomatoes would stay in there and would be right. Also so that the contaminants would not get in there and spoil it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes inside of us upon our salvation, and he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God stays with us regardless of what's going on in the moment. And also, I will keep the world out. I will seal you and keep the world out. This happens on our salvation. Now, I've had the opportunity to be around, you know, hundreds of people who have accepted Jesus Christ into their life. And what's interesting is about how he seals everyone, and it's a different moment. I've had people who, when the moment that they accept Jesus Christ, they were so overwhelmed with emotion, they couldn't hardly speak because they were crying so hard. And just, just, it was so emotional. I've had people who had the emotion of happiness, and they were so overjoyed the moment that the Holy Spirit came inside of them and sealed them. I've had people who had a spiritual moment of just almost like reverence that, that God is in this room, and we ought to not even raise our voice and you can just it just there's this spirituality around that i know a man very well that i trust very well he was on the mission field and he led someone to jesus christ and he told me cody i saw the holy spirit come inside of him he said i saw him get sealed that happened in the bible the people saw jesus the holy spirit coming upon jesus and this is not a person who did this and showed like this is just a person that's talking to me and he saw the holy spirit come inside of him you know what's also interesting? I've had people who've had none of those experiences. I've had people who are like, is that it? Yep, that's it. I mean, that, you know, like they don't feel ecstatic. It's, it's just kind of like, but it's still true. It's absolutely true. They didn't feel the Holy Spirit. They didn't see the Holy Spirit. It's not like angels sang up in heaven and God hit a gong. Another one say nothing like nothing. But it's still true. God, the Holy Spirit came and he sealed them. And he says, I will stay with you. I will stay inside. I will never leave. And the sin of this world cannot contaminate you because my sin is my forgiveness is here. So he says also this, this thing that I want to close with today. He says, I'm a down payment. The Holy Spirit is a down payment on what is to come. Sometimes I think if you've been a Christian for a long time, like I'm discussing this morning, you know, my life is uh, going really, really well. There's this one area with, with my son this weekend that's been really tough. Um, but here's the deal. Like, there's moments where in Christianity, your life stinks. Something happens and it just stinks. Like, you hate it. And you're going to be tempted in that moment to, like— look to someone or, or to have someone say, you know what, is that all there is? Is this all that there is? Is this, is this all there is? And the idea is, no, God is a down payment. So the answer is no, that's not all there is. This isn't all that there is. This isn't all that is coming. This isn't all that is going to happen. God, the Holy Spirit, he's just a down payment. We will get to see him face to face. 
And he will unveil his plan, and you will see the timeline of history, including your portion in it, and how he used events and what he used, and you'll be like, oh, I see now. He'll give you all insight into his, into his plan. Until then, he's just a down payment. There's more to come. We're going to experience trials and tribulations. We're going to experience heartache and disappointment. But the Bible says that when we go to Jesus, that every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. That we will see Jesus face to face. Now we see him like a veil, like a a glass darkly, the Bible says. No, no, no. In those days, we will see him face to face and we will live with him forever. Is this all that there is? No. This is just the beginning for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite you right where you are to bow your heads for just a moment. When someone gives you a gift, what do you do? You should just say thank you. When God gives us all these gifts, and we just talked about a few, he he shows us, I think, 10 in this passage. We should say thank you. So today I'm going to lead us through a prayer of thanksgiving. The Bible says that God the Father, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God the Father loves the world, and he chose you for adoption. Today, can you praise God the Father, that whether you were saved in time past or he is today looking at you and saying, I want to adopt that one. That's my son. That's my daughter. Bring them home with me today. God shows you to be adopted into his family. The Bible says, in Jesus, we have forgiveness of sin through his blood. Verse 7, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Jesus adopts us and forgives our sin through his death on the cross, through his burial, and through his resurrection. Today, ask Christ to come into your life and forgive your sin through his death on the cross. Believe in his lordship that he gets to be in control of your life through his resurrection from the dead. And you'll be saved. You'll be adopted. Today, thank God for your adoption in Christ Jesus. Secondly, the gifts of the Son. Thank God for his perfect will in your life. He has a plan for you. You're not marking time till you, go to, till you die and you go to heaven. He really has a plan. He has a calling on your life. He's given you specific spiritual gifts to fulfill that calling. Now, that might be your, your job. It might not. But you have a calling on your life. God has a purpose for you. If you're here today and you're like, I'm not really clear on that. Next week, I'm going to preach a sermon, a prayer for spiritual insight. And Paul's going to begin to show us how to, how to figure out what, what this is, what he's doing. But today, you can praise him in faith, even if you don't completely know what God's plan is. God, I believe you have a plan for my life. Thank you for including me in your plan. I would also challenge those of you who say, I've got this thing. Maybe it's something that someone did to you. Maybe it's the consequences of what you've done. Maybe it's a circumstance or a situation that's really just out of, contr- out of your control altogether. 
whether God caused it or God allowed it, if he's sovereign, he had to have done one of those things. And it's something you don't like. It's okay to be honest with God and lay that before God and say, I don't like this. I don't understand why you would do it. I don't understand why you would allow it. I, 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 this hurts. Maybe you're like me. You say, this feels mean to do to me. I, I don't know what he's going to do with that. I, I really don't. I don't want to pretend like I do. I don't believe, I, for many of us, it, it's not even, it'll come a, you know, apparent in a flash of light. I, that's just not true. But I wonder, are you one who can say, while I disagree with your methods, I trust your heart, Jesus. And I will follow you regardless of circumstances. Can you say that to Jesus today? I don't like this, but I'm not giving up on you. You are my Lord. I know you love me. I know you have a plan. And I pray that you would work everything in heaven and on earth together to unveil this. Finally, thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. He comes upon us in our salvation, whether we feel it or not, whether we, you know, have an emotional or ecstatic experience. If you are saved, God has given you the Holy Spirit. Thank him that he seals you. Thank him that he says, I will be in, I will never, ever leave you. Thank him that he seals you from the world, that the contaminants and the, the sin of this world has no bearing on your life in Christ Jesus, for we have forgiveness of sins. Thank God that what we are about to experience in worship and in Him in our life is just a down payment. This is not all that there is. It's just a part. God, may we experience the fullness of Christ Jesus more every day. May we live for you regardless of circumstances. And God, may we serve you all of our lives until the day when our homecoming, when you bring us home and we see you face to face, we will follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.